10-5 touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And it's time once again for the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt Stoltz along with Brad Bobo following week one of the A-State football season. The Red Wolves defeating Central Arkansas on Saturday night, 40-21 to at Centennial Bank Stadium. And man, it's always good to get that first week out of the way. And it doesn't matter if it's... You know, us on the broadcast side, the team, once you you get through week one, you feel like you've accomplished something. Yeah, it's there's a lot of people. And, of course, in the line of work I used to be in, uh, working in that athletic department, certainly was the case. Uh, still the case over here, as you said, from a broadcast standpoint, we're just – it's one of, if not probably the busiest week of the year because you spend all week just kind of remembering the little things along the way you got to do. Yeah. Uh, leading up to a football game and there's just something all the way you know for us you'll hear it at east arkansas broadcasters we sort of had two straight weeks of it because we had the first week of high school football the week before that for the where for the first time here in jonesboro we were originating four radio broadcasts in high school football three of the four streaming broadcasts we were originating so we kind of had two straight weeks of the first week of football so I'm glad as we get to this week, everybody has played one, so we kind of get this thing settled into a routine. And you finally get to the game on Saturday, which is what it all leads up to. And we didn't know what to expect. It's the same theme that you and I have been talking about the entire preseason. Over 50 newcomers on this roster. You've got a, a brand new coaching staff led by Butch Jones, and there were a lot of questions going in. And it was probably unreasonable for us to expect this team to just come right out of the gate and, you know, just do everything right in the first half. It it seemed like that first 30 minutes, there was some learning there and, you know, probably a lot of feeling out uh, of how this team would perform once they got out there against somebody else. And and you also have to factor, this is what we're the quickest to forget of anything, is that somebody else – is you know another team now they may not have as many scholarships but they got a, got a team full of guys on them they That's had their entire team. team back a good team a team's going to win a lot of games coming out of there you know so we get so quick and this is not arkansas this is everywhere we get so quick to look at things through only the spectrum of our team we're either good or we suck those guys on the other side didn't have anything to do with either one of those things we're either really good or we're not well, you're playing a team that pretty much just kind of rolled over, right? Had its entire team back. You should expect that it's going to take a while to to get your kind of seed legs under you when you've got all these new pieces and the other guys don't. They're rolling with the same bunch they did a year ago. Yeah, UCA was ranked as high as number 11 in the FCS preseason polls. So Nathan Brown came in, you know, expecting for his team to have a chance to win. And I was talking with Coach Jones yesterday during one of the breaks of filming the TV show. And he said him and Coach Brown were talking before the game, and Coach Brown relayed to him he thought it was his best team since he'd been at UCA. So, yeah, they came out fired up. And, you know, you look on the scoreboard at halftime, and UCA is leading it 
seven to six. Now there were some moments there in the first half, and you know, look, Central Arkansas had one big play in the first half. They had the sixty-six yard touchdown that that they scored on, but other than that, I thought there there were some really good things, including the play of that A State defensive line. And we'll get into Kavon Bennett, but uh, Joe Azugu at that mm-hmm. other defensive end spot was making some big plays as well. UCA with the football, leading it 7-3, to three, facing a second and 12. Azugu chasing down Smith, trips him up from behind. Great job by the defensive end, JoJo Azugu. Yeah, but he was chasing people around. You know, it was gonna, if, if it wasn't five rushing somebody around, it was 21. I mean, it was going to be one of the two. Uh, and you knew you were kind of solid up the middle with, with the, the guys you had there. So, yeah, I mean, the, I think there's a lot to be excited about about the defense because here's the thing if they were willing and by i mean they if arkansas state's defensive staff was willing to put their corners on an island as much as they did saturday night against those dudes that's that's the best receiving tandem in the fcs both all americans if you're going to put them on an island against those guys you're willing to put them on an island against most anybody on the schedule there won't be too many teams we face with receivers as good as what we saw the other night in Tyler Hudson and LaJuan Winningham. And, you know, another guy that really impressed me the other night was Taylor Doss. Here's a guy that last year, in his first year at A-State, was a backup corner, but this season moves over into a starting safety role, and he made some big plays. Yeah, I man, it seems like, you know, my spotter was pointing at his name a lot. More often than maybe it even some, it seemed it turned up in the official stat sheets, he was in on a whole lot of plays. You know that was uh, that was cool to see. Overall, man, there's a lot to like about that defense because it was much maligned over the past season or so, and we all understand why. So I think Rob Hartley's unit has to feel like they had a a fun and successful opening night. Yeah, and held UCA to just 42 rushing yards on the night. So. Look, it's seven to six at halftime, and you know Butch Jones talked about it going into the locker room. Said his team just needed to to settle down, and they did, and really found their stride in the second half. And after the Red Wolves had just forty rushing yards in the first half, they ended up with one ninety four in the game, and it was finally. Our time to see the Yale transfer, Alan Lamar, in action. And he gave the Red Wolves their first lead to the ball game in the third quarter. First and goal from the two. A-State trying to find the end zone for the first time tonight. Down 7-6, to six, handed off to Lamar. Running left, he's in! Touchdown, Alan Lamar and the Red Wolves. Take the lead for the first time tonight with 8.21 remaining in the third. And Allen ends up finishing with 18 carries, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Nice debut for him. Yeah, and he was the first to go. We were wondering, you know, what what would we see at the, the running back position because you knew they had four guys that split up those carries pretty evenly in fall camp. So Lamar was the first to go. You know, Johnny Lang went second. And he coughed the football up there that that they scored on one play later. And it seems like we, did, we went a pretty good while maybe without seeing Lang again. But he got back out there in the second half. And then I know A-State fans were excited about seeing Marcel Murray because we sort of saw a little bit of everything. We saw him dragging people around. We saw him you know, shaking off tacklers. We saw him spin by guys. 
kind of the full Marcel Murray repertoire that feels like we hadn't gotten a chance to see in a couple of years. Twins left to Valence Hunt, the TCU transfer on the right. Handed off to Marcel Murray, starts left, cuts back right, gets across the 45, it's across midfield. Marcel inside the 40, inside the 30. Murray still on his feet, refusing to go down. Finally tackled from behind at the 20-yard line. A gain of 40 for Marcel Murray. Marcel with seven carries, 63 yards on the night, including the 40-yard run that we saw there in the second half. You know, UCA was a team that was, even though they got down, they continued to fight there in the second half. But what turned into the story was the play of Lane Hatcher. Mm -hmm. And this was the conversation leading up to the game all through preseason camp and we knew that whoever the quarterback was going to be whether it was the Florida State transfer James Blackman or if it was Lane Hatcher out there first it was going to be a good option there's no other team in the FBS with the luxury of having two quarterbacks on its roster that have thrown for over 5,000 yards in their careers already but that's what Arkansas State had coming in it was Blackman that got the start and and Brad you really look at his numbers they weren't bad he was 16 of 26 for 169 he rushed for 31 yards but you know you look at what Lane did when he came in the ball game and there's just not too many performances that we've seen that we can compare it to (laughs) no people are probably wondering how it took as many minutes into this podcast as it did for us to get here because that was obviously the number one thing people want to talk about coming out of the game Saturday night, but we may as well park it here for a second. No part of me, and you, I may be naive, silly, foolish, all these things, but no part of me thinks James Blackman was promised the starting job to transfer to Arkansas State. No, That'd be pretty no. crazy to do when you do have a guy that had already had the career numbers Lane Hatcher had. Why would you promise a guy to start over that? I think he was promised a chance to compete, and they still competed. Here's another reason I don't think that was a that was a promise. I was I talked to players on Thursday, who not in an interview, just standing talking, told me they didn't know who the quarterback was going to be, and that even on the install practices, putting in the game plan to that point, into that point of game week, Lane Hatcher and James Blackman had still been splitting the reps evenly. Now that's an awful lot of work to put in to carry on a facade, especially when practices are closed. So who are you putting on a show for? That job was open. It was competed for. If anything, maybe James Blackman got the tiebreaker from being the guy that Coach Jones and the staff brought in. But let's just face it about Lane Hatcher. If Lane Hatcher plays 10 years of college football and has a new head coach every one of those 10 – then 10 times that new coach is going to come in, look at him, and say, I can recruit over that guy. <laughs> and it's just the truth. They're going to look at him and say, I, I, look, I, I've seen the tape. I've seen the numbers. I don't care. I can recruit over that guy. And he's just then going to still find a way to prove you wrong because it, the kid is just a winner. And that there's, there's, you can't, there's no ruler that measures that or scale or no time clock on a 40 or arm string. The kid just has something inside him that has him get the job done. We'll get into the Hall of Honor stuff coming up a little bit later on in the podcast. It was a great night on Friday. But when I introduced Ryan Applin the other night, I, I kind of began that introduction with a quote that Steve Roberts had 
a long time ago, before App ever played a down. And I'm sure he told you this as well, but he said, I don't know what it is, but he's got it. Mm -hmm. And if there's somebody else that has it that has come since Applin, it's Lane Hatcher. I mean, he's got that it factor. And I'm not going to forget a 12-for-12 performance. I mean, there's a lot of games we'll – We'll forget about over the years, but that's not one of one of them. I think that you know Mark Taylor found the stats uh, from Sports Information. He saw that Lane was just the seventh FBS quarterback since 2000 to have a 100 percent completion percentage and at least 12 attempts. Yep. So, but only only the third of that group to throw for four touchdowns. So, just an amazing performance. But he gets his opportunity. And by the way. That 12 for 12 took over for the best statistical night percentage-wise in A-State history because Ryan Applin had a 12 for 13 that was at the top of the list. And on top of it, Lane Hatcher now has 50 career touchdown passes. He passed the likes of Knighton, Lemon, and who am I forgetting here? Um, Corey Leonard. On Saturday – on the career touchdown pass list, he's only trailing Justice Hansen and Ryan Applin now on that career touchdown pass list. Not bad for a guy with nine career starts. Yes, he passed Nick Noche and Elliot Jacobs on the career completions list, moved up to eighth on that list. He's a six behind James Hamilton. Uh, he, so the next time he gets out there, he'll probably jump up another spot. So for a guy who, yeah, who has. Who only gotten this job handed to him when essentially there was not another option. He's had a pretty nice little career. So Hatcher gets his opportunity in the second half, and and he had come in briefly in the first half, went four for four in the first half, and then eight for eight in the second half. But it was uh, incredible to watch the momentum build in the second half with each drive that that offense was out there, and you could – just see the comfort level was was at a much higher level uh, th- than in the first half. So, you know, the, the first of three touchdown passes to Corey Rucker made the score 20-7, to seven, and this one came from 34 yards out. Rucker, Hunt, and Jones are the three receivers, all split left. Now Rucker in the left slot, motions right. Hatcher steps up, rolls left, throwing for Rucker, caught inside the 20. Rucker inside the 10. He's going to score. Touchdown, Corey Rucker from 34 yards out. And the Red Wolves go up two scores with 2.53 remaining in the third. UCA able to come right back. They get it to within 20-14. to 14. But, uh, again, that, that offense was rolling. And one thing I noticed, Brad, was you, know, you saw Butch Jones kind of challenging the offensive line during one of the timeouts uh, in the first half. They really performed well in those final 30 minutes. And and we talked about the experience of the offensive line. The fourth most experienced offensive line in the country, those guys needed to step up, and it seemed like they did in the second half. I think you had a lot of one hand wash and the other. I think those guys, their experience started maybe finally wearing down a good UCA defensive line, especially those two ends are both all-conference. You know, they're two guys they play at nose guard, both really good players. So, I mean, again, that was a good defensive line. They finally started wearing them down. And here's the thing. I think early on, Arkansas State was really trying to set up the run so you could get the pass game going and eventually end up working the other way around. Finally, when you started getting hooked up down the field, it kind of loosened things up. 
to help get the run game going. So he had all those things kind of happen at the same time, and then the offense, as a result, took off. Corey Rucker with his second touchdown catch of the night put the Red Wolves on top, 26-14. to 11.50 remaining in the ballgame. Hatcher throws left side, looking for Rucker. Caught, touchdown, Corey Rucker. And the Red Wolves lead it by two scores again with 11.44 remaining in the fourth. Right after the, the Rucker touchdown, we saw the kickoff, and then on UCA's very next play, the Red Wolves able to get their first interception of the season. Perkinson and the right slot goes in motion. Braylon Smith going deep over the middle. It's picked off by Sammy Johnson. First takeaway of the night. Sammy back across midfield, 45-40. Johnson will be tackled down inside the 35 at the 33-yard line. Sammy Johnson with the 33-yard interception return. He actually had a pick six sure did, yeah. last year against UCA. Yeah, you remember kind of that 2020 game, offense started slow. The defense scored nine of the first 16 points in that game against UCA last year. Uh, So, yeah, little Sammy accustomed to picking off passes against the Bears. He's probably ticked off. He didn't get that one into the end zone. It was uh, good to see the defense get a couple of interceptions there. In the fourth quarter, we saw E.J. Alexander with a pick later in the game. The Red Wolves ended up plus one in turnovers on the night. And the very next play, it was three straight plays from scrimmage. The touchdown pass to Rucker, the pick by Sammy, and then right after that, Corey Rucker finds the end zone for the third time of the night. Hatcher off the play action. Going deep right side, looking for Rucker again, and it's caught for another score. Corey Rucker with his third touchdown catch of the night, and Lane Hatcher is on fire. And you look at Rucker. Nine catches, 138, three touchdowns, just an amazing performance. And he's a second-year freshman. And you go back to that final game of 2020, Brad, and, I mean, he set the NCAA freshman record. He had 310 receiving yards in that game. So 448 receiving yards the last two games. And his his only two starts, right? That's right. So, yeah, those are pretty good numbers, averaging 220 yards a start. Keep him out there from the looks of those numbers. But it's also clear that he and Lane Hatcher, they've got some kind of chemistry. I mean, he's maybe the security blanket or whatever you want to call it. But, I mean, Lane completes 12 balls and Corey Rucker has nine catches. You can tell he was looking for seven every chance he got. Just the chemistry between Lane and Corey, you know, all four of those touchdowns he caught in the ULM game last year were from Lane. You can tell they've got a very special chemistry between the two of them. So UCA comes back and scores again. They make it 33-21. And then Lane with his fourth and final touchdown pass of the night on the very next drive. This time he finds the TCU transfer to Valence Hunt. Patrick claps his hands for it, looks left, throws back corner of the end zone, caught. And it's to Valence Hunt with his first touchdown as a Red Wolf. And T. Hunt, one of the guys we were really looking forward to seeing in action. He's been great during preseason camp. Had a great debut the other night. Six catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. And you could certainly see early on that you know, that was the guy James Blackman was trying to get that hookup with. And there was times they just missed by a step or off a fingertip or just some just barely would miss getting hooked up they maybe have that same kind of connection or bond that we're talking about with, with rucker and hatcher that we'll see down the line but yeah good to see him hauling in and 
getting the end zone in his first A-State game and you know, cap off what ended up being a fun night. Again, A-State improves to 1-0. They defeat Central Arkansas 40-21. to We've got much more to come on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Back on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Uh, we recapped the UCA game just a minute ago, but it was not the only big event Mm-mm. of the weekend. And I get a thrill hosting the Letterman's Club Hall of Honor banquet every year. It, it, it's a lot of work getting ready for it, and it's usually not during week one either. So we had uh, all of that we were getting ready for, but, man, it was a star-studded class and a really special night seeing all of the inductees go in. Ryan Applin, Demario Davis, Joe Slayton from the football side, Sharika Nelvis, uh, the, the great A-State hurdler also going in. Todd Baumgartner, one of the greatest to ever do it for A-State. Baseball went in. And, and then Gina Bowman, the honorary mm-hmm. inductee as well. And you, know, you had a chance to talk with every one of them throughout the course of the week. Yeah, I did. And man, I'm glad of that fact. I did, over the course of the week, talk with every one of those honorees and uh, just all special visits and special people in their own way. For Joe Slayton is a guy that was a, a great punter who seemingly had very little interest in being a punter. I mean, came in as came a tight in end. Be a tight end. And for, for Gary Whitrow, and all he wanted to do is block. That's all he wanted to do is block. I mean, he would see guys ha- leave practice with bloody noses from the offensive line and think, I want to be with those guys. And he'd get sent off to punt because they found out he could. And to talk with him about that and – you know, as you mentioned, you know, Todd Baumgartner, who we both know well and like, and, and kind of saw him play and knew what a player was. But I, even still, when I dove back into the record books and saw just how many career offensive records he still holds at Arkansas State, it caught me off guard even a little bit. Knowing it's, it still was kind of surprising to see that and uh, to see what he's done with uh, FCA since then is awesome. And then, you know, Applin, uh, you know, Applin's Applin. America's most popular running backs coach and just uh, the most unassuming, most uncomfortable guy being as loved as he is at this place you'll ever see. And case in point, I, I did the introduction for him the other night and I, I tried to you know, give him his due, which it, it was going to be a big introduction. So he gets up, everybody's standing up as he walks to the stage and, and clapping and he he hugs me and says, Matt, that was too much. And I said, no, <laughs> it, it wasn't enough. And uh, so he gets up there and the inductees had a 12 minute limit for their speeches. And most of them were, were right about that. But uh, I'm telling you, App spent half of his 12 minutes talking about the other inductees that night and, and how much respect he had for them, which. I guess we shouldn't expect anything no. else from from Ryan Applin. No, it's just uh, that's that's the way that dude's wired. And then um, you know, Shreeka Elvis, uh, it, she's just got so much personality that knew she would do well on that stage uh, because but I mean, she's just 
All right, so she's just a big ball of personality that happens to be unbelievably fast and athletic and got a chance to visit with her on Friday when she got to the stadium. And, uh, and then, you know, Demario Davis, my gosh, uh, he just, you, you can't say enough about, you know, kind of what we've got to see that, uh, he, he's that man turn into from the time he got here. You know, uh, you know, and in Appland and in Demario's case, both Arkansas State out recruited a grand total of nobody to get those guys. Uh, credit Coach Roberts and his staff for their their eye and, and finding and starting to develop talent. But you know, those two that's just two special guys in general. Felt found out uh, last Monday that Coach Roberts was planning to come to the Hall of Honor banquet and had a chance to visit with them during the week, and we still keep in touch and you know it, it's always great to see him great to visit with him but one of the best moments of the night that made me tear up was demario just talking about what coach roberts meant to his career and how coach roberts gave him a second chance when he didn't deserve one or at least he said he didn't deserve one and you know it, it was so special him getting up there and talking about Steve Roberts impact on the program and he said look we had some great teams and we've had a great run of success but none of it would have happened without Steve Roberts and you know I I was able to get up there before we we started doing the inductions the other night and and recognized coach Roberts and and his wife Sherry and daughter Abby were there and could tell it just meant a whole lot to him he received a standing ovation from everybody there in the room and just really special to have them there and and look it's true because you know it and I know it and the people that have been around for a long time know how far this program has come and really you look at the big picture it was less than 20 years ago when Steve Roberts was hired back in 2002 at that time this football program was at the bottom of the FBS as as far as budget is concerned and now you look at the amazing facilities all the conference championships that have been won since then coach roberts was the one that laid the foundation yeah but but most of all that work i mean all the stuff they did i mean i'd say even when when coach roberts left probably still next to last in budgets at that point maybe bigger than ulm but not bigger than hardly anybody else even at the end of coach roberts run but he had laid the foundation uh, just number one in in the quality of people he had involved with the program the the job they did of finding and developing players and then so it made just the i mean the fuse was lit uh you know f- with from 2011 on i mean Hugh Freeze told me i mean everything we needed to win was in place we had good kids we had good talent we had good character they had good academics one much that had to change besides they had to see a couple of things go their way. That was it that to make 2011 happen. Uh, so it, it is good to see Coach Roberts uh, get his uh, due there. And then the, the one else, you know, Gina Bowman, 45 years at this place now doing something and at, at, for a good long while was the only uh, female sports information director at a Division One program. She even told me on Friday she 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 didn't name places, but she said there were places she went that they didn't want her in the press box. I'm not talking about the locker room; they didn't want her in the press box because wow. she was a woman. Sid, 
Uh, so she's seen a lot of stuff and made countless contributions to this place. And uh, I, I was excited. I was as excited about seeing her get that honor as anybody in that you know star-studded class. It's special to see uh, that class go in. Just one of you know the best classes we've ever had as far as the A State. It's probably Bayern. the youngest. If you start looking at it, it's because there are there's a minimum either it's age or how many years you've been out or one of the two or both. It's either like out eight years or thirty years old. We had to, you know so you had Sharika and Applin and Mario and Baumgartner all amount to what you know all basically is what you, first ballot. I mean as soon as they were eligible they went in and so you probably haven't seen it happen like that across a group. So uh, I mean it, the the recency. The youth of the class and getting in, you know, as, as quickly as they could, it led to kind of it being, you know, one of them, not the, the best classes ever. More to come on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Obviously, football had all the headlines this past week, but uh, plenty of stuff going on as far as other A-State sports. The soccer team was supposed to have two games Mm. last week. They had one against uh, UAPB canceled last Thursday, then Ended up losing to Kansas one to nothing on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, second straight Sunday they've had a big time opponent in here. It was Ole Miss the Sunday before that, a team right on the uh, edge of the top twenty-five, and Rebels got them two-one. And same thing for Kansas. I had talked to Coach Dooley earlier in the week, and he said, "Man, I'm watching tape." Uh, matter of fact, right as he was dealing with that cancellation with UAPB, he said, "I've been watching Kansas, and man, he, they're good." Uh, and they came in. I think they scored in the. Seventy uh, fifth minute or something like that to get the, the win. So, um, uh, you know, nothing's really happened that's changed my opinion on that soccer team. Uh, they're really, really good. They've played a really tough schedule at this point, and again, it's all made to just uh, get to, but not get to, get to and stay in the NCAA tournament. Coming up this week, they'll take on Tulsa Thursday at home. That's a 3 o'clock start time. Then they'll be at UCA Sunday night at 6. Meanwhile, the volleyball team had one heck of a weekend. They yeah. Went, they went to the Billiken Invitational in St. Louis, won all three of their matches, uh, defeated the host team, St. Louis, 3-1 to one on Friday, then Defeated Murray State three games to one on Saturday and then swept UAPB on Saturday night. Yeah, and uh, Macy Putt, she she just continues the, her monster start. Matter of fact, she was named MVP of that tournament. Uh, Josie Stanford, Tatum Tickner were also all tournament. But you know, you're off. You're probably set up for a good weekend when you play and beat the host on Friday because let's just be honest, the host of a multi-team event is going to give itself what it thinks is a good chance to start one to no. Yeah. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to get themselves out and going. So when you, so I always get a kick when you go beat the host because you're like, well, you know, you chose this. So enjoy it. 
Uh, so to, to and then come back with the, the two wins, Murray State and UAPB on Saturday. Uh, yeah, nice weekend for for the volleyball team for sure. So they're now four and two on the season, and they'll be up in Cape Girardeau playing in the SEMO Invitational this weekend also this weekend of course the football team back in action the second of their back-to-back home games to begin the year and again this is the first time since 1987 that the red wolves have began the year with back-to-back games at home so this is a really big deal and to have memphis coming in is always a huge game and you know i always think back about some of the great games that we've had in the past against the Tigers and you know for me it goes back to that 2006 game but look I know the year before I came in yeah I came in in 05 you were here in 04 though and there was one heck of a game at uh Centennial Bank Stadium if I recall right I mean I think it's the first game Memphis ever played as a ranked football team they came in at 25 they brought a bunch of people over with them and man, uh, that was a heck of a ball game. And I just still see, like most Arkansas State fans can, could just see kind of Nick Noche getting blindsided uh, and football coming loose. And that just setting in, you know, into motion a chain of events that let Memphis go on a big run to swipe a, a game away. Uh, but you know, that one that comes to mind, you know, getting the, having that big, big crowd in there and having a lightning storm hit right at, at kickoff, uh, and then seeing that game get pushed back. And then, you know, that's the huge second half comeback. Yeah, that was 07. And of course, the year before that was the Hail Mary game yeah. in Memphis. And, you know, that was my first introduction to the A State Memphis rivalry. So, you know, you you win the game in Memphis with the Hail Mary. Then the following year, yeah, you have the storm. The game got rescheduled for, I think it was a Thursday night, wasn't it, when we finally played? Uh, maybe, yeah. But it was and that down 25, teams, yeah. down 25 at halftime. We were down 31 to 6. And I still remember us talking about it in the booth. We just need some kind of spark. And I remember Kevin Jones returning a punt. For a touchdown early in the third quarter and, and you just felt <laughs> yeah even though you're down 31 13 at that point I remember thinking man we've we've got the momentum here you just felt like it, it might be a special night and I think it was Preston Brown uh, the running back that ended up with the uh, the game winning touchdown in that one but uh Man, that was fun. Of course, uh, you know a lot of that Memphis stuff predates us. You know, I mean, there's been a lot, a lot of big time Arkansas State Memphis games. The five, you know, Memphis getting five downs on the goal line, and A State stopping them and running off and leaving them. And famous picture of Larry Lacewell on his knees begging an official to keep keep up with the downs, and uh, you know, but heck, I think these teams have brawled and everything else in their history. And I just like that we're playing again. You know, we had that good run there, 06, 07. We played in 08 at their place. then they came uh, to Jonesboro back-to-back years in 11 and 12, those conference championship years. Uh, beat the brakes off of them in, mm-hmm. in 11, 47 to 3. And then the following year, when Coach Malzahn was here, beat him again. And then they ended up winning Memphis one and 13 at their place. 
But up until last year, that was the last meeting. You know, played in 13 and then finally opened the season at their place last season. And, you know, that was a good ball game. Uh, and I think this one sure yeah. will be uh, again come Saturday night. And uh, Memphis is a team that you look over the last five years. I mean, they are one of the better programs in the group of five now. They went to the Cotton Bowl a couple of years ago. Now, one difference is Brady White yeah. is gone, and he was a big part of that at the quarterback position. They're going to roll in here Saturday night with a freshman quarterback and a freshman running back that both had nice nights in their opener, and uh, I'm sure people over there thinking aren't playing like freshmen. So uh, just bottom line, when these two teams get together, it's it's going to be fun and look for that to be the case. And you know, I could segue right into – what I'm and this is there's no rant coming today, per se. Uh, okay. But I said last week, I made the comment that hey, if the crowd's not great, then look, I've already got built-in content. There's no doubt that's what I'm talking about. And the crowd wasn't great. No, it wasn't. Fifteen six sixty two. The announced crowd. Now somebody can take more time than I took and go look at this and correct me. But I took a little glance, hopped online, and started looking through some numbers. And at going at kind of quick speed before we recorded, best I could tell, that's the smallest announced Saturday home crowd since December third, twenty eleven, and it was a season opener with really good weather. With a new head coach against UCA, a team that had produced three of the top 12 crowds in the history of the stadium. Yeah, I was I was pretty shocked at the number. And, you know, uh, I, I know I'm going to hear the excuses here in the next couple of days about Labor Day weekend and, and all that. But look, you look around college football and stadiums are full everywhere. People are going out to support their teams. And look. We were seeing those examples. Now, I will defend the other way and say there are plenty of examples of, of, of places where they weren't. And, I, you know, I I had Arkansas people you know, telling me for a week or two leading out to the game that there were a lot of fans opting out of, you know, trying to get rid of their rice tickets because they were, they were all kind of looking ahead to this weekend when they got Texas coming in. So – could A-State have the same deal going on? You're willing to kind of bypass UCA because Memphis is coming the next week? Maybe. We won't know till Saturday night. The crowd turns out really good. Does the pandemic, is, is it still playing a role in that? Yes. How much? I, I don't know. But all I know is you've got 100% capacity allowed. There's no mask requirements. All this stuff people are bellyaching about. And you had the smallest announced crowd in the decade since and i think that game in 2011 if i'm not mistaken may have been the first december home game in the history of the program and it was hugh freeze's last game and, and it's the last time there was a crowd that small look if you're wanting to come to a saturday home game it's going to be a while after yeah. this coming saturday because you've got the two thursday games coming up in october and then the final two home games of the year will be Saturday home games, but they're not coming around again until November. Yeah, no Saturdays in October, so this is it until the, until November, and that'll be homecoming. Um, so, look, you kind of squandered a chance with a crowd that would, against an opponent that had produced three of the top 12 biggest crowds. Here comes one that's got three in the top 10. 
the third, fifth, and tenth biggest crowds in the history of that stadium have been against Memphis. So um, I'll look past Saturday, and, and that number, 15662, if there's a really big rebound this week. But if not, you got problems. you you got problems. If you've laid out the best schedule of home games probably in the history of the program, those two opponents, first two weeks, that hadn't happened in 35 years and you don't make hay, then you there's going to be cause for concern. I think our fans are going to step up this week. I, I really do. I, you know, with with the opponent, the fact that you know both teams are one to know. I just I feel like you know if if there's a time for for us to have a big crowd, this is it. Wait, so, here's the deal. I'll just fly tell you. I hope they bring a lot of people, and I fully expect them to. So. And they're the same boat we're in. Closest road game you can get in the FBS. They're in the exact same spot. And and I'll I'll credit our fans. Anytime we've gone over to Memphis, we've had great crowds over there. I mean, our our fans are fantastic when when we go over to the Liberty Bowl. Everything is sitting there in place uh for Saturday to be big. Of course, the exact same thing could have been said last week. It didn't happen. But I said, I'll, I'll look past it if we come back here next week and and this number is back where it ought to be. Because I'm looking right now, of course, I'm looking we're, as we record this, it's on Labor Day. No big mystery. We record on Monday. So as we look right now, I'm seeing sunny, 0% chance of rain, and a high of 92 on Saturday. And it should be really nice, you would think, by six o'clock saturday night that's when the kick time is our coverage will begin at four over on the eab red wolves sports network from learfield presented by arkansas blue cross and blue shield and then you've got one more game on the tv side this week (laughs) i do uh and looking forward to that you know i probably could have done a whole nother podcast just on that part from saturday It, it dawned on me you know two things uh, dawned on me one was about on friday where it hit me that it had been 20 days shy of 10 years since i'd called an arkansas state football game but then one that really didn't hit me until even i didn't even think about this till after the game was over it's been at least six years since i watched a game from the press box oh wow yeah i didn't think about that either so it was a whole, it was a different i had to, had to kind of get reacclimated to that point of view I guess the thought went through our minds last year when Tim couldn't do the last broadcast to bring you up, but you ended up doing the the color from yeah the sideline where you normally were. But yeah, I didn't think about you not being in the booth for that long. So so yeah, it was a lot of kind of having to knock the rust off, get kind of reacclimated, climb back up in the saddle, and hopefully got in a groove. It, it might, I think it did, and uh, but right now I'm going to lean on that old saying that you see the most improvement between games one and two. All right. So, again, you'll be on the ESPN Plus side, and, of course, I'll be on uh, 107.9 K-Fine in Northeast Arkansas on the rest of the network. Uh, we want to see you at the game, though. A-State, Memphis, 6 o'clock on Saturday night. It's been another fun edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Have a great week.